This message is from Grace Church, located in Frisco, a suburb of Dallas-Fort Worth. The Grace Church website is gracechurchfrisco.org. Craig Cabanis, the lead pastor, is the speaker for this message. Okay, we are in Exodus 20. We're in a series called The Gathering, and it's a series talking about what's happening this very moment. I mean, you always hope that sermons are applicable, but nothing's more applicable than like what's happening now. Okay, that is application. So uh, that's what this series is about. Last week, we looked at Romans 12, 1 and 2, and we saw how in response to God's radical grace, that it is our privilege, our appropriate, reasonable, logical, spiritual worship to respond to him by saying, Lord, all that I am is at your disposal. And the biblical language that Paul used was a living sacrifice. Um, Present yourselves as a living sacrifice. So that was about all of life, live for the glory of God, for his worship. And then starting tonight, we're going to look specifically at the gathering, uh, our gathered worship, our worship service, whatever you want to call it. Uh, And uh, I'm going to be bouncing around in the Bible. Normally, if you've been around, you know we teach through books of the Bible typically. Uh, But I'm going to be looking at different texts in this series. And tonight, we're going to start by looking in Exodus 20 at uh, the Ten Commandments. And I wanted to start with this idea, not just what are we doing in here, but I wanted to start with the idea of time. I want to look at time and and look at the scripture and see how from the very beginning, God created a rhythm of time. He created a rhythm of time that he demonstrated uh, by his own activity and that he called his people to as well. And that rhythm is six days of work and a day of rest. And on the day of rest for his people, we'll see uh, from another passage to gather together. So I'm reading from the Ten Commandments. I'm just going to read the prologue to the Ten Commandments, and then I'm going to skip down to the fourth uh, commandment. I'm not going to read them all, but I'm going to skip down to the fourth commandment because that's the one I want to look at tonight. So I'm going to read the. Pro- I'm reading uh, Exodus 20 verse one. Then we'll skip down to verse eight. That's the fourth commandment. Exodus 20 verse one. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Let's pray. Our God, we thank you for your word which has all authority, and your word which changes us, directs us, guides us, uh, leads us. And so we submit ourselves to your word tonight. We ask that through your word you would open our eyes. We ask that through your word you would stir our hearts uh, to obedience. And we pray that through your word you would show us Jesus Christ afresh, our Savior, Lord. We, we know that the Scripture points to you in all things, Lord Jesus. And so we ask that we would see 
the Lord Jesus uh, tonight through this scripture and other ones that we will look at. So Holy Spirit, would you open our eyes and ears? Uh, Holy Spirit, would you fill our hearts and uh, enable us to be hearers and doers of your word? So we offer ourselves present ourselves as living sacrifices. Lord, we say we are at your disposal. So have your way with us in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, what do you think about when you hear a scripture like we just read, the Sabbath? Or even when you hear that word, depending on your background, I told some stories from my background. I'll tell another one here in a minute, but uh, last week. But maybe you think when you hear Sabbath, I mean, maybe red flags go off and instantly you think legalism legalism when I hear that word, because uh, what I'm familiar with is rules of what you can and rules of what you cannot do. So Sabbath means limitation. Sabbath means you can't do this. Never understood why, but you can't do this or you can't do that or whatever. So maybe that is your background. I remember growing up uh, in Texas. I don't know. You know, I never really asked anybody about this. I don't know if it's state law, federal. I think it's federal law, state law. I don't know what it is. But all I knew is when I was a little kid, there was something called the blue laws. And all I knew is that was really bad because I can remember I have this vivid image of being like a first grade kid and going into a mega drugstore. Um, and I don't remember which one it was, but it was very large on a Sunday. Uh, and so large that they had a like decent toy aisle, not like a sorry CVS Walgreens toy aisle. I mean, like decent. It, was, it wasn't Toys R Us, but it was decent. And so we went there, and I remember going in, and there's the, it's roped off. That aisle and some other aisles like it are roped off because legally on a Sunday you couldn't buy toys. And so I guess it was modeled off the biblical pattern that you could, uh, you could do works of necessity so you could buy Tylenol for a headache because that's needed. That's necessary. Uh, but you don't really need a yo-yo though. I thought I did. So, you know, I can remember that being, so back in the, I don't know when that all that ended, the story I just told you from the seventies, but I can remember that there were certain things you could and could not do in our culture on a Sunday, unless you think all that's so quaint. Hey, have you ever been hungry for Chick-fil-A on a Sunday? And have you ever pulled up? If I had a show of hands, will you drive by and go, it's empty. There's no line. Quick, get to the drive-thru. And you get there, and it's you and you only because it is Sunday, and they are closed. So when we think Sabbath, sometimes we can think here are certain limitations uh, of what you can or cannot do, but that if that's the case, we've really missed God's view. Because God's view of the Sabbath is very different. It is a gift from God. I'm going to show you that in the text in just a moment. It is a gift from God. As a matter of fact, Isaiah 58, at the end of the chapter, at the end of Isaiah 58, it says, you are to call the Sabbath a delight. And regardless of what you think about the Sabbath, or I'm going to talk about the Lord's Day in a minute, regardless of what you think about the Sabbath, if you cannot call it a delight, then you've misunderstood it. If your response is not, this is good news, this is delightful to me, if that's not the case, then either you've misunderstood it or your heart needs to be adjusted to receive the gift that God has for you. The fourth commandment that we just read, it's about honoring God with our time. It's about God's people honoring him with their time. The Ten Commandments start off with this powerful statement. The prologue is this statement of grace. 
This statement of grace, verse 2, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And so the, the, there is gospel before there is law in the Ten Commandments. There is grace, what God has done, before there's any mention of what people are to do. And the context is this. You were enslaved in Egypt, powerless enslaved. You were Pharaoh's slaves making bricks and, and building. You were his slaves. And I came in, you could never have gotten yourself out of that position. And I came in and delivered you. I rescued you because of my grace. And it was so glorious that when you left, the Egyptians were giving all their goods to you. And they were just like saying, Hey, take our gold and take our valuables. Just get out of here. And then I brought you into a land so that you can worship me. And so then these various commands are about based on grace, based on what God did out of mercy to rescue his people. Here's what they're supposed to live like. And now here's what he's saying. When you worked for Pharaoh, you worked seven days a week. It didn't matter if you were sick. It didn't matter if you were injured. It didn't matter if it was really hot this day. It, nothing mattered. You're a slave and you will work whatever the hours were, sun up to sundown. And you will do it just to survive. But now I'm your Lord. And here's what I'm saying. Out of every seven days, I don't want you to do any work. I want you to rest. I want you to appreciate rest. And I want you to trust me knowing that in six days of your work, I'll provide for you. You don't need to work a seventh day. I'll give you all that you need. It's a statement of grace. Again, if we start thinking about what can I do and what can I do and can I do a sporting event and can we go to, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff that people have ideas about what they can or cannot do. I'm not going to get into all the nitty gritty of that. Uh, But the reality is the point is for people who were enslaved and had no freedom that God is now saying, look, I want you to keep a day holy. I want you to rest. I want you to give your family rest. I want you to even give your livestock rest. I want you to give a sojourner rest because that's how I acted. I, I created the world and then I rested, not because he was tired, but because the Lord just paused and rested and models something for us in this blessed day. And so if you heard this as a former slave, what would your reaction be? Oh my goodness. Are you serious? That's so legalistic, God. No, you'd be saying, are you kidding me? Well, where are we going to get food? I'll provide. Well, what, what do you mean? Don't work a seventh day. How, uh, I'll take care of it. You rest. That is a gift. That is a gift that some of us know very little about because we're running ourselves in the ground with busyness. We don't even, we're not even tapping into this precious gift that God gave us. So let's look specifically what he talks about here. He gives kind of a positive and a negative. Uh, or he says what is commanded and what's forbidden. So positively, what's commanded is, verse 8, remember the Sabbath day. This would have been the seventh day, the last day of the week. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. So you work six days and then rest. So this would have been a week starts. I know our calendar work week starts on Monday, but, uh, but the week starts on Sunday and then finishes on Saturday. So work six days and then you would rest on Saturday. The word sa- Sabbath means quiet. It means rest or it means ceasing as in ceasing from labor. So remember the Sabbath day. Now, what he's saying by remember is not just like recognize a fact. If you're married, if you're a married dude in the room, you know that you can remember your anniversary by recalling a fact, or you can remember your anniversary, which involves planning 
and money and romance and love, and, and it's great. But it, it's not just, oh, yeah, I, I kind of I acknowledge that that day is on the calendar. And 15 years ago on that day, we were wed. No, that's not, just, that's not the kind of remembering. It's remembering that leads to activity. It's remembering that you, you do something about it because you are honoring or remembering your, the, the day that you were married. And so here he's saying, act, recall that it's the seventh day, but remember it, honor it. And he says, um, to keep it holy. What does that mean? Well, holy, the word holy, typically at its most root meaning in scripture, just means to set apart is what it means. So it says, remember, act in in remembrance of this day and set it apart. Set it aside. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But on the seventh day, it's a Sabbath to the Lord. So you set it apart to the Lord. It's something that's, that's kind of taking out of the ordinary and it's placed in a special way aside to the Lord. Now, last week we said that all of life is lived for the worship of God. So I'm not going back on that. We're to be living sacrifices all the time. But in the rhythm of life, God did a six-in-one pattern, and he says there's something different about the one day. Now, we often think of not just rest, but worship. We're gathered here, and I'm going to talk about why in a minute, but we're gathered here on the Lord's Day, um, or however you want to refer to it, the Christian Sabbath, the Lord's Day, the day of worship that we have. And so oftentimes when we hear about the Sabbath, we think about worship. And it's not explicitly stated here. Uh, I think it's implicitly probably stated. Remember, the seventh day, verse 10, is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. So it's a day that is, it is in a special way to him and for him. Uh, so there's something, it's, it's made holy, it's set apart. So that's set apart and made holy uh, and a day to him. That, that's worship language. But elsewhere in the scripture, it is specifically spoken of as a day of worship and not only a day of rest. For instance, in Leviticus, Leviticus 23.3, we have this for you. Leviticus 23.3, it says, Six days shall work be done, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, a holy convocation. Or the NIV translates it, a sacred assembly. We don't use the word convocation much, but convocation is an assembly. It is an assembly when you are gathered in response to a summons. So if a summons goes out that calls you to gather, that is a convocation. We are called, the vocation is in there, which means calling. We are called with, or we are called together. So it is a holy convocation this day, or a sacred assembly that God's people assemble on this day. So what's it saying? God gives a holy summons, six days do your work, on the seventh day rest from your labors and come together, this holy convocation, this sacred assembly together before him. So that's what it is. And he also tells us why as well. He says that, uh, verse 11, that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. So it's a day to remember our creator, It's a day to recognize God's pattern of work and rest. But it's not only a day to recognize him as creator, it's also a day to recognize him as redeemer or savior. So for instance, in Deuteronomy 5, um, it says, observe the Sabbath day in verse 12. A few verses later, Deuteronomy 5.15, it says, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, And the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm 
Therefore, because God brought you out of Egypt as a slave, therefore the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. We see that in Exodus 20 where we're reading, I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, therefore remember the Sabbath day. So it's tied as well, it's tied as well to uh, the Lord's deliverance from, of his people from Egypt. So it's clearly, Isaiah 58, a day of delight. We recognize God who created us and gave us life, and we pause, and we rest, and we worship in an unusual way. He called his people to do so, different than the other days. And we recognize that he's redeemed us, that he saved us, and that he's given us rest. Why do we rest? Because he has given us rest gave his people rest by delivering them from Egypt. So the Israelites were to say, we now have rest in God. We have a land and we're enjoying a rest because of his delivering power. It's a day to recognize deliverance. It's a day to recognize emancipation, that we were in slavery, but now we are free. And it's built into the rhythm of creation, six and one, and the rhythm of redemption. Six days, you worship the Lord through kind of a regular means, and then one day, you gather with his people for his glory uh, and worship him. So that's, that's what the commandment is about. Now, let me talk about Jesus and the Sabbath, because by the time of Christ, what was supposed to be a gift, what was supposed to recognize the creator and celebrate deliverance from Egypt by that time, which was to be a, day, a time of rest where we recognize what he did for us. We could never free ourselves from Pharaoh, but he freed us. By that time, it was very different because the, the Pharisees in particular, a group of religious leaders, had introduced all of these other kinds of of laws, and maybe you've heard some of them. Some of them were crazy. You could take a certain number of steps. If you did any more, you know, that was, uh, that was work. Uh, and so just crazy, crazy laws that they introduced. Matter of fact, at the beginning of Jesus's ministry in Mark, on a Sabbath day, Saturday, he and his disciples are walking along, and they're kind of hungry, and so they pluck some grains and just start eating them. And the Pharisees say, whoa, harvesting, that is work. You are working on the Sabbath, and they come down on Jesus, who has, I'm going to tell you in a minute, a great line to put them in their place. But he starts with saying, hey, wait a minute. Man wasn't made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man. He's saying, look, we're hungry. We're not harvesting and doing work. We're hungry. We're grabbing some grain. The Sabbath is to bless us. It's not to enslave us. We're not enslaved to this Sabbath law. It's to bless us so we can eat. It's not, you know, chill out here. He didn't say that, but it's like, relax a little bit here. You guys are taking it too far. And then he says this, not only was the Sabbath made for man instead of vice versa, but the son of man, he says, is the Lord of the Sabbath. That's the punchline. I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. He's saying, I'm God who is over the Sabbath who created the Sabbath, and, and he is the one who comes, and, and the Sabbath pointed ultimately to Jesus, the Savior. He's the one who comes to bring real rest. What they don't get is that God delivered his people from Egypt to give them rest, and now Jesus comes not to bring physical rest, well, eternally he will, but to bring spiritual rest. He is the Lord of the Sabbath. He is Sabbath rest in the flesh, incarnate. He is the one who has come to deliver them. He is the one who has come so that we could be free from our works and he will do the work of salvation for us. You see, Jesus does the ultimate saving work. He obeys the law 
perfectly. Even though we can't obey the law perfectly, Jesus obeys God's law perfectly. And the person who believes in Jesus, he takes his record of perfect obedience and credits it to our account. The Bible term for that's justification. So he takes the, the, uh, the uh, obedience of Christ and credits it to us. And he takes our sin and puts it on Jesus and he dies in our place on the cross. So the message of the good news of Jesus, the gospel, the good news is this, that you cannot work your way to being right with God. You can't give enough money, pray enough prayers, sacrifice enough time, go to enough worship service, this is read your Bible enough, be a good, a good enough employee, be the perfect parent, no one is, but you can't even by, uh, by trying to be, be the most obedient son or daughter, you can't make yourself right with God. And so the message is that Jesus has come as the Lord of the Sabbath, he gives his life for us on the cross so that anybody who believes in him has our sins forgiven and we are enter into his rest. We are given rest, rest from laboring to be right with God, rest from laboring to clear our conscience. And by just receiving him, receive all of our sins forgiven, our conscience cleansed, the promise of eternal life so that our souls can be at rest. Jesus fulfills, in essence, the Sabbath ultimately points to him. His grace ensures that we cease from trying to work for our salvation, and we gather today in a sacred assembly tonight to celebrate Jesus Christ and him crucified and him resurrected. It's all about what he has done for us. So we have a Sabbath rest they could have only imagined in the Old Testament. And then one day we will enter into an eternal Sabbath rest. When we will see God face to face, we will be with him in the new heavens and the new earth. There'll be no sin, no pain, no striving. It'll be perfect in his kingdom forever. And we will experience the ultimate Sabbath rest. And today we have rest in our souls. So there is this Old Testament picture of Sabbath. There is Jesus who comes as the Lord of the Sabbath, fulfilling this and giving us a spiritual rest for our souls, which we are celebrating here today. So how in the world do we apply something like this and why am I talking about it? Well, uh, unlike the, the other commands, unlike the other 10 commandments, the Sabbath is not taught in the same way in the New Testament. There is a shift. Uh, for instance, the day shifts. The church begins to worship uh, and gather uh, on the first day of the week, Sunday, instead of Saturday. And uh, we see that, the reason for that is in Matthew 28. The reason for that is because that is the day Jesus was resurrected. So every Sunday is Resurrection Day. I don't know if you knew that. Sometimes I say Happy Easter and I get corrected. Oh, no, it's Resurrection Day. Actually, every Sunday is Resurrection Day. Easter only happens once a year. So, uh, but I don't want to be a smart aleck about it, uh, <clears throat> like I just was. Every Sunday is Resurrection Sunday. That's why we're gathered today and not yesterday, because it's Resurrection Sunday. Once a year, we say this is the one Sunday that we're going to uniquely celebrate the resurrection. And that's we are we call Easter. Uh, but every Sunday is Resurrection Sunday from Matthew 28. And we see this in some texts. I'm going to read you a few texts. Sorry, I didn't put this up, but you can, you can write this down if you want to check it for yourself. Uh, Acts 20, verse 7, 
says, on the first day of the week, we came together and break, to break bread. And then it goes on and Paul stands up and preaches. He speaks in that meeting. It was a worship meeting. The Christians gathered together and he spoke at it on the first day of the week. Or in 1 Corinthians 16, Paul talks about collecting an offering from the Corinthians. And he says, <clears throat> on the first day of every week, each of you is to put up something, put something aside and store it up as you prosper so that there will be no collecting when I come. In other words, we're not going to do one offering when I show up to take this money to help the poor Christians in Jerusalem. Every week when you get together on the first day of the week, gather uh, an offering, and then when I come, I'll take it all, is what he says. In Revelation 1, John uses a phrase where he says, on the Lord's day, I was in the Spirit. So he's actually giving a name to refer to a day of the week, presumably this day that the church gathered, which was Resurrection Day, Sunday, uh, the Lord's, he calls it the Lord's day. So uh, history tells us that by about 100 AD, this was the solidified, unified practice of all Christians, was that they gathered on the Lord's Day, the first day of the week, the Resurrection Day, on Sunday, first day of the week. So how do we apply this? Well, I think the best way to think about applying something like this is we try to find some commonality uh, between this, the Old Testament Sabbath day and the New Testament, uh, what's referred, John refers to as the Lord's Day, or those passages I mentioned where Paul speaks of the first day of the week gathering. Uh, we also, don't, I don't have time to develop this, but we also want to, uh, if you have strong opinions on this subject, then please read Romans 14, because Romans 14 tells us uh, that we need to love one another and how we're going to practice certain things, especially people who give unusual, uh, you know, um, give preference to one day over another. So what you choose to do on Sundays, aside from a couple things I'm going to talk about here, uh, there's, there's room. Different people are going to do different things. Uh, some people are going to, uh, well, different people are going to practice their Sundays in different ways. The key is that everybody needs to think and have an informed and a planned out way to view uh, our one out of the six and one. How are we going to treat that day? Everybody needs to have a plan. And everybody needs to have a value and a conviction. Some convictions will be different. I have known people who have a conviction that they will not watch sports on a Sunday or something like that. Uh, I don't have that conviction. Uh, we're meeting at 3.30 instead of 5 next Sunday for Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, but I respect that conviction, and I respect if that is your conviction that you haven't gotten up in my face because we changed the time next Sunday. So I appreciate your, your, we're Romans 14-ing it is what that means. Uh, and so different people will have maybe different convictions on certain parts of how they will they will act uh, about this. And there's a liberty here, I believe. But here's the key. If we don't think and respond about how we view Sunday, culture will eat your Sunday. Culture will eat your lunch. If you don't have a conviction about it, there will be tons of work email to respond to on Sunday. And the soccer coach and the football or the baseball coach and the basketball coach and the gymnastics coach, they've got plenty of stuff for your kid to do on Sunday. And, and there will always be something that grabs our attention. If we don't have a conviction that I got a six in one pattern in my life and I'm thinking intelligently and biblically and praying about how I'm going to treat this day and I'm not going to judge others 
you know, who, who are different than me as Christians. It might be a place where we can challenge one another, help each other as iron sharpens iron, but I'm not going to judge arrogantly and self-righteously. I'm going to love one another. That's what the Bible says in, in Romans 14. But it will be eaten up. There's just technology will eat your Sunday, and you'll have nonstop technology seven days a week. And so there is always something to grab us uh, if we are not intentional about it. So what, what do we see from the Old Testament verses I read to you and the New Testament? What is our clear transferable principles for us today um, that I don't think are debatable uh, you know, as much? And I think there's two. I think one is we're called to worship. And I think another is we're called to rest in some way. Nobody's superhuman and can go seven days a week. And uh, you won't live long if you do, or you won't live as long as the Lord would have. So first of all, a call to worship. Sundays are unlike other days because we are able to gather and join with God's people in corporate worship. At least we are in our culture. Um, And this is why this is important, because Christianity is not individualistic. Christianity is corporate in nature. I mean, so is the, uh, is, uh, the Hebrew faith as well in the Old Covenant. But it is corporate. It is about being a part of God's people. We are so individualized in this culture that we don't see that oftentimes. We just think about my private spirituality, but that's foreign to the Bible. It's not foreign for you to have a relationship with God, but it's foreign to take your Christian faith and say it's primarily individualistic because the New Testament is all about, as well as the Old, is all about it being the people of God, the body of Christ. God has a people for himself. Um, So Sundays are a time set apart where we can gather with his people at some point, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Sunday at 3.30, you know, various times. But we can gather with God's people to worship him, to feed on his word, to receive his sacraments, to fellowship with his people. Uh, And it's to be a day of delight. And because that story I told you about the blue laws, historically... Uh, at least cultures that have had a Christian influence, certainly in Europe and in the U.S., uh, cultures, there was a cultural thing built in that you just didn't do certain things on Sunday, that even the culture recognized a unique day that Christians could set aside and worship. But that's just not the case anymore. That's just, except Chick-fil-A, I don't know anywhere that is, 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 has that point of view at all. And I'm not sure, thinking about that, I was thinking today, I'm not sure there's any Christians, this is probably an overstatement, but any Christians in the history of church, church that have given as little thought to this as we modern evangelicals in the U.S. have. Because it, it, to, to us, Sunday is like, in our culture, is like every other day. And in European countries, in the U, countries that have had historic Christianity, that has not been the case. And it wasn't the case in our country for a long time. And so we can treat it like any other day. And because we're individualistic, we can also... Um, we have technology. We can just say, I get my feeding another way. I, I can just get fed. I don't have to come to church. Uh, I can just get fed on Tuesday morning. Why do I need to set aside anything on Sunday to gather with God's people? Or some churches meet Saturday night or whenever. I need to gather with God's people. I can just get a playlist of my favorite worship songs, and they sound better than what I hear down at the church. And I can get a playlist of my favorite sermons from my favorite pastor, and they're better than, than what I hear down at my church. And so the, qu- the quality of stuff is better that I can get off the Internet. Um, and so why not 
you know, why do I need to be a part of God's people? Why do I need to go to a church service? And it's totally mistaken because the, the purpose of coming to the church service isn't to hear the best music or to hear the best sermon on the planet or the best musicians on the planet. It's to be with God's people as a family. It's to receive a pastoral message. It's to sing with God's people together that I'm joined to as brothers and sisters, people that know me, people that can help me grow, people that I can help others. It's to have a meaningful place to serve. I'm not serving when I'm just listening uh, you know, to a message just on myself uh, catered to me. But when I'm among God's people, I am. So we're called on this day to be together with God's people. And I think the Lord challenges each of us to say, how do I view this day with anticipation, remembering, celebrating, enjoying, serving, day of delight, encountering God in a particular and a unique way? I think God wants to challenge us to evaluate how we view uh, this day and how we anticipate this day. How should we respond? Well, first of all, we should gather. I believe we should gather. It's not what I believe. The scripture teaches that we should gather. Hebrews, uh, the writer of Hebrews was addressing a problem about this. And in chapter 10, he says, do not neglect to meet together as is the habit of some. Some people are in the habit of not being together that regularly as Christians. Don't do that, he says. So the scripture calls us to be together. It's not just our idea. We're not giving out perfect attendance ribbons or something like this. It's not just a, a plan we had. It's God's plan that we be together. And the, the plan of Scripture is you were slaves, but now you're free. So celebrate your freedom freely with God's people. Gather together to edify. Uh, there are obviously exceptions to being together. Um, people get sick. Emergencies happen. People are out of town. People take a vacation. You should take a vacation and not be here. You know, you go do something with your family. Of course. There are reasons that people are prohibited from being together, but biblically, it's not an option. Being a Christian and separating myself from the people of God is not a viable biblical option to live a life that pleases the Lord and to be fruitful with my life. It's just not an option. Uh, It is God calls us, he places us in his body, he gifts us to use our gifts with his body. He places certain gifts in us that he's going to specifically use to be a blessing to someone else. Um, He calls us to be a corporate witness together. You can't individually represent everything that a church can represent when they're joined together. You as an individual can't represent Uh, If you're poor, a poor person who's a friend with a wealthy person worshiping the same God together. If you're an individual, as your witness, you can't represent being an African-American, if that's what you are, worshiping together with a a Caucasian and a Hispanic uh, person, an Asian person, all gathered together, worshiping the Lord together. You can't represent that kind of unifying love by yourself. You can't represent people that are very different than me uh, in their tastes and in their preferences, and, but we're friends, and the only reason we're together is Jesus. You can't represent that kind of changed life. So you can't be the witness God wants you to be if you're not a part of a fellowship. You can't bring him corporate praise. That's what this whole gathering thing is about. God wants to hear his people sing to him. 
His people who can't sing. His people who don't have rhythm. He wants to hear them clap together. And he loves that from his children. And if you're not gathered, if your only worship is listening to something, you know, through your headphones, uh, and the Lord loves that too. But you can't represent the people of God singing together. So it's, it's, just, it's just not an option. It's a six and a one. Some people think active involvement with the body of Christ is if I'm there 50% of the time, I mean, that's pretty good, right? What if you treated the other six days of the week like that? Or five? What if you said, at my job, I'm called to work six days, I'm called to rest and worship one. At my job, three days, or let's say five, so two and a half to three days a week, I am there. That's a decent employee. You're going to be looking for work, okay? (laughs) You're going to be looking for work. So many times we would view the six and one pattern, we'd view the six as absolutely required and the one as entirely optional. And if I'm there once, twi- well, once would probably be pretty weak, but if I'm there twice a month, that's strong, man. My neighbor went zero. Well, the Lord is giving us a day of rest for us to benefit from this rhythm, to benefit. So one is just show up and, and another is to prepare our hearts for this. Prepare during the week. You know, I was convicted that I am, well, I'm preparing during the week. All week I prepared what I'm doing right now. But beyond that, I've been convicted just preparing during the week, praying during the week about Sunday. I mean, this is the first day of the week. This is the long, we start with rest. We start the week with a gift. We start saying it is all Jesus's work for us and not our work for him. So come enjoy his work today. Feast on his body and his blood. Hear his word declared. Sing his praises and be, be lavished with the mercy and the love of God, which says you show up and receive from him. That's grace. So we do that on the first day of the week, but we prepare during the week. And this is really hard if you've got young kids. My kids are older now, but I have faint memories. Uh, my wife's probably got explicit memories, but I got memories of when they were younger, and it, it is hard. It is really hard. And I totally get why, oh my goodness, we just can't make it. Are you, t- you kidding me when we do try to make it? We can't even get everybody's shoes on them, you know? We can't even show up with all feet shod. Uh, not with the good news, but just like with shoes or something, you know? So... Can we just get, the, you know, I get that's hard, but it, it takes prayer, prayer during the week. It may mean that by Saturday morning, we got everybody's clothes cleaned and laid out and we're, we're planning, we're thinking, this is our, we're, we're orienting our week around the one and that, that leads into the six, the other six. But my life orientation is about being with God's people for his worship. The gathering sets, that sets the tone for my life. It's saying that. I think we've got it messed up. I think we think if I have individual piety, that's primary and okay. So if I read my Bible, I don't know, three, four, five, six times a week, I mean, this other church stuff's optional. I don't know, man. If I had a new Christian come to me and say, I'm a brand new Christian, this would never happen. But I can only do one. I can read my Bible during the week or I could come to church. But I'm only going to do one. I'm a new Christian. What do I do? I'd say come to church because you'll never make it alone. You will, I will assure you, you will train wreck by yourself. With the people of God, you'll develop a hunger for God. You'll want to read your Bible and pray and engage. That'll take over time, but you have to have the body of Christ in your life. 
You need care and discipleship. You've got to be with people. You've got to worship. Spend time with God before church as well. Prepare your day. This is weird, these 5 o'clock services. But in the morning time, just it's good to prepare. I know that we can feel like, well, I mean, this is the one day I'm certainly not going to have a quiet time because somebody's going to preach and we're going to sing. I don't need to do that. As we prepare our hearts, we soften and tenderize our hearts to hear from the Lord as we prepare, pray, wait on him, read. So, if, you know, as you're able, prepare before. Come early. I don't know what's happened, but people are coming early since we, earlier since we came at 5 o'clock. That is great. So let's take this into the new, the new deal when we go back to mornings. But that's been great. But come early and ask the Lord, you know, ready to respond with anticipation to hear his word, to receive communion, to serve in whatever the Lord's called you to do. Consider fellowship after church. Consider fellowship after church. I once had a pastor tell me that they like to have people over on, on Sunday um, to have them over for lunch or whatever. He said, because I view that as my way of giving rest to someone else. And that's what the, the verse read. Not only do you not do any work, but not your son, your daughter, your male servant, your female servant. So you're, you're called, he's what he's saying, your animal, your, you know, your livestock. So he's saying, it's not only a day to rest, but how can I give rest to other people? Can you imagine if you went to a church where everybody was saying, how can I not only, but how can I provide rest to somebody else today? How can I be a blessing and provide rest to somebody else? That, that would be glorious. I mean, where everybody said, how can I serve today in a way so that you could experience rest on this day? And hospitality gives rest for sure. Um, it's a day where we can dialogue about the word, maybe over lunch, talk about, hey, what did you think about the sermon? What did you learn? And what we can talk about God's word together. And we can do things that rest what we can read. We can recreate. We can nap. Man, that is holy. Grabbing a Sunday nap, that is holy because it's saying, I'm not God. I can't go 24-7. I'm weak and I get tired, and to the glory of God, I'm going to have a great meal and a nap on this day, and my boss doesn't expect anything of me, and, you know. So that's, that's a gift. Take a walk. Visit a friend. I'm not telling you stuff you can and cannot do. I'm just saying, can we get a vision of delight? So that all week long, I'm saying, man, Sunday is coming, and I don't dread it. Man, I'm, that is my day. God has given me a gift. Are you kidding me? Why would, I want to, why would I want to miss that? Why would I want to miss that? Some of you have Sunday community group. Man, all day, every day. Your Sunday is in the morning and at night, and man, that is great. So maybe that Sunday group works for some people. That's a great way to make a, make a full day out of it. So fe- I didn't even talk about fellowship, but fellowship and it's a day of delight, and it's also a call to rest. I'm going to wrap up right here, but it's a call to rest as well. Now, when it says rest, I think, um, I, I think what's in mind is not doing your n- normal labors. He talks about giving your livestock a rest, for instance. It's not doing your normal labors. The Pharisees said you could only lift certain weight, and uh, that's nonsense. There are certain things that we have to do, but it, it doesn't mean total inactivity, but it means a rest from our normal labors. And guess what? You're doing that right now if you're here. There's only like three or four of us, five of us, I don't know, that are paid to be here right now. So, so there's, a, there's a handful of us, this is, this is our job. But everybody else, you're not doing your normal, you are resting from your normal work, and you're here Today, taking time out of your normal affairs to worship the Lord and be with God's people and experience his rest. We pause from our work and recognize, God, you're the provider. 
See, we live in a society that worships productivity and efficiency. Those are gods. Productivity is a god in our culture. Biblically, we say, no, we work hard during the time we're called to work, and then we rest and trust the Lord. And so for some of us, resting could just be me saying, you know what, I'm going to shut down. I'm not going to address, I gave the example of email, but I'm not going to address email. I did not say it's a sin to send a work email on Sunday. I did not say that. But I said we need to be intentional about rest in our lives, and we have to turn it off somewhere. There has to be some time in our lives where, some time in our rhythm, where we don't do our normal work. Now, what if you say, I am a, my, my work is I'm a stay-at-home mom or a homemaker, and so what, what about me? Because you haven't said anything. I don't have work emails or whatever. I, it look, sounds to me like Sundays, actually, I feel like I work more than other days. Uh, I don't ever get a rest. Diapers have to be changed. We have not had any Sabbath babies that refuse to go on, uh, or Lord's Day babies that don't go on. So there's stuff, we, our, my family has not said they will fast every Sunday. We have to have food. And how do we do that? Well, a couple things on that. Uh, I think this is a day for dad and for siblings to pitch in with older kids and, and give mom a break and ensure that mom gets some rest. I think it's also a day that we lower our expectations. God bless ladies that want to prepare a feast, and there's a time for that, and that's wonderful, and you're having fellowship, you want to be a blessing, but there's also just a time. Uh, my wife just threw something in the crock pot on the Saturday night and paper plates. And okay, so that wasn't any work on Sunday. We still had great food. We still enjoyed being together, but it removed some of the some of the work, right? So there's ways that we can think creatively to provide. How can I be a blessing? How can I unplug technologically even? Or how can I, maybe you're a student. I mentioned this last week. I lived with a guy in college, strong Christian guy. He wasn't a Sabbatarian. He wasn't like legalistic or something, but he basically said, I don't study Sundays. I said, like, what if there's a test on Monday? I, I, I study six days a week, but I'm going to go to church. I'm going to have fun. I'm going to rest. I'm not going to study Sunday. He got good grades. So a lot of people, I'm not saying you should do that, but I'm saying I didn't. But I'm saying there was a guy who was thinking very theologically and practically about his life and just saying, I got to have a time where I don't have the pressure of a book and a study. every twenty. I'm just shutting it down for a day. So what does that look like for you? So every day is the Lord's day, is, is his day, but there's a unique Sunday experience that we are privileged to experience together. The day, a day where there is some rest in some way, um, and, and a day where there is worship. And minimally, there's a time where I'm, I worship where I say, okay, at least I give you know, the, my morning. I'm not doing normal stuff. I am, uh, before the Lord, I am resting. But I would encourage you to think creatively about how can I take this day back for the glory of God? Because many of us have had our days taken. It feels like it's been stolen because we let them go, but it's like, it's taken from us. What would it say to, we're taking this back as a believer. I'm taking this back. This is a day I'm going to read. I'm always saying, well, I want to read more books about, you know, some topic of theology or a Christian biography. I want to read more to build my faith. What if I took Sunday afternoon and slotted some time or Sunday night or yeah, we just, why don't we ever just as a family do something, fill in the blank. That's relaxing and enjoyable and fellowship for us. Maybe that's Sunday evening for you. I don't know. 
but we just let it get stolen and we scatter and we're doing a thousand things. We're running to the mall and we're running over here and we're doing, uh, we're doing projects. And it could be a day, maybe you do a project, but it's like every other day and there's just no, there, there's just no pausing and we wonder why our souls are threadbare. And it's one reason maybe because God has given this rich gift, a day for feasting. The Puritans... Uh, who I wouldn't endorse everything they taught on this, but the the Puritans called it the marketplace of the soul. This is the day the soul is fed. It's it's, it's a day for the soul. And so so what's the Lord uh, calling you to do? I believe the Lord wants to elevate our appreciation. Before we talk about what we do in this meeting, we need to talk about a theology of time and the value of this meeting and this day before the Lord so that we offer it to him as worship. Let's pray. You've been listening to a message from Grace Church. For more information, visit our website or write us at podcast at gracechurchfrisco.org.